1: You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
0: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I get into WrestleMania 30. That's right, WrestleMania 30, as it was presented on ESPN last night pretty cool espn taking advantage of having this time to put on wrestlemania 30 and it was great for the wwe as well speaking of wrestlemania bully and i get into wrestlemania 36 the stories going in and also it being on two nights april 4th and april 5th two nights of wrestlemania 36 and we get into the good and the bad bully and i do that on today's episode also We have a awesome interview with Evan Husney, Evan Husney, the executive producer of dark side of the ring. We get into the debut episode with the Chris Benoit tragedy. All that right now on the busted open podcast. Let's go back to what took place last night in the world of pro wrestling. And that is WrestleMania 30 being on ESPN. And, We heard about it. We knew it was going to happen. And for me, and again, this is the hardcore pro wrestling fan, I was kind of like, all right, well, you know, I can watch WrestleMania 30 anytime I want on the WWE network. I don't really understand why this is that big of a deal. But as I was watching it last night, and I did watch it last night, and saw the interaction that everybody was having on social media, I couldn't believe How many people are a watching it for the first time and people who haven't watched it since it happened were watching it again. And we kind of take it for granted that all this is on the WWE network, but us all watching it at the same time, seeing it on a platform ESPN, we kind of forget that. There's only a a million and a half subscribers to the WWE network, but think of all the millions of people that have ESPN and that tune into ESPN. So it was kind of cool. And I saw it when I was on social media last night, there was a lot of people who haven't watched wrestling the last 10 or 15 years that tuned into WrestleMania 30 on ESPN last night. And it was kind of cool as the matches went on and as the night went on that a lot of people were falling back in love with pro wrestling, the, the interaction during the Brock Lesnar undertaker matchup. And it almost seemed like people were watching that for the first time. And then a lot of questions about Daniel Bryan near the end of WrestleMania 30 last night. And it was kind of cool to see that from new fans and from old fans. And I know for myself, And our world of pro wrestling moves at such a fast pace that I haven't really watched WrestleMania 30 at all in the last five and almost six years since it took place. And it was kind of cool to relive those moments again. I was there in New Orleans at the Superdome for WrestleMania 30. So I didn't get to see a lot of the packages and to hear the commentary during the show. Because Bully always says this, once WrestleMania is over, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about the Monday Night Raw right after WrestleMania. And by the way, that Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania 30 was huge because that's when we saw Paige. And we saw Paige win, at that point, the Divas Championship. But like I said, so much happens so quickly in our world. You don't really get a chance to go... And kind of absorb it and enjoy it and then kind of relive it again. So it was really cool to relive those moments again. And it was surreal, too, because now in this new world since the coronavirus and what we're dealing with in the moment, what we're dealing with right now, you know, we're getting used to the fact that we're watching wrestling without a crowd. We've seen it now on two SmackDowns. We've seen it on Raw. We're going to see it tonight on Raw. Uh, We've seen it with AEW and now we're kind of dissecting and giving feedback and criticism on how the products are dealing with no people in the venue and no crowd at all. How great was it watching WrestleMania 30 last night and seeing that 75 to 80,000 people going crazy and reliving that Daniel Bryan moment with the yes Chance and everything else? It, it, it was just amazing. And also watching WrestleMania 30 thinking, wow, there was no chance Brock Lesnar was going to beat The Undertaker. I remember it was myself and Doug Mortman that was hosting Busted Open at that time. And even that was funny because original host Doug Mortman and myself were texting back and forth with each other during the event last night. And when Doug and I were in attendance and all the shows that we had leading up to WrestleMania 30. We we thought that was a no-brainer that The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania was going to continue to the point that probably when you look at most of the matches at WrestleMania 30, Doug and I barely spoke about The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar because we were convinced that there was no chance that Brock Lesnar was going to beat The Undertaker. And also remember what Brock Lesnar was doing in the WWE since his return before that match with the undertaker, you know, he had the loss to triple H at WrestleMania 29. He had the loss to John Cena. So, you know, it wasn't the Brock Lesnar that we're used to seeing. He wasn't the beast Brock Lesnar quite yet because he lost a lot of significant matches after his return the night after WrestleMania 29, 28, leading up to what we saw at WrestleMania 30. And you could hear a pin drop when Brock Lesnar beat Undertaker. You heard it last night on ESPN, just the dead silence. And don't forget, Doug and I were watching it with our original producer, Mike Riker, and all the media that was in the press box, and it was dead silent. Just you couldn't believe it. Like, you almost th- almost all right, this isn't really happening until that graphic came up where it said, end one, you know, all the wins and the one loss. Once you saw that graphic, it was like, that's when it sank in that this actually happened. And I put WrestleMania 30 and always around this time, we start talking about What's the greatest WrestleMania of all time? And what's your top five WrestleManias? And WrestleMania 30 to me is in that top five without a doubt. When I look back at the greatest WrestleManias of all time, without a doubt, WrestleMania 30 is near the top of that list. And it's to relive it and to watch it again. And I tried to kind of put myself in the mindset like I was watching it. For the first time, but it was impossible because all those amazing memories of that show came flooding back. And it, it got me a little emotional. And as I'm texting back and forth with Doug Mortman last night, you know, I could tell he was getting emotional because it wasn't just the event itself. And as you know, uh, all you Nation members know that what we do around WrestleMania, we have our We have our big event the Saturday before, and at that time, we were doing post-shows. And immediately after WrestleMania 30, we rushed to a bar, which was right across the street from the Superdome, and we did a live show in front of the nation. And even though you had that moment with Daniel Bryan when he won those two titles in the main event at WrestleMania 30, all that anybody wanted to talk about was The Undertaker's undefeated streak ending against Brock Lesnar because even then it still didn't sink into a lot of people and everybody wanted to talk about it. And that's the beauty of this show. And then you had that moment uh, with Daniel Bryan, you know, the first matchup to start with triple H and then the main event match and the confetti coming down and just how ecstatic all the fans were because Just a couple of months before WrestleMania 30, you never thought that moment was going to happen because Daniel Bryan was with the Wyatt family. And, you know, you know, you had the Rumble match and Batista was involved and you didn't think that Daniel Bryan was going to be a part of the main event. And there you saw it not only being a part of the main event, but actually winning and becoming a champion and just hearing, you know, 75,000 people Chanting yes all at the same time with the fingers in the air was it was definitely a, a, a WrestleMania moment, one of the best WrestleMania moments of all time. And then going back last night and watching what we saw with John Cena and Bray Wyatt and why that's so significant, because as you saw on SmackDown Friday night, that's the moment they're going back to in this story with The Fiend against John Cena and it's the perfect storyline. And for all of those that are still upset at the fact that Goldberg beat the Fiend in Saudi Arabia, you got to get over it. And let's look at the story that's taking place in the story that they're telling on SmackDown and what we're going to see at WrestleMania 36. And that's something we're going to get into today. That's going to be a big theme with not only myself, but also with Bully when Bully connects in about 20 minutes here on Busted Open is WrestleMania 36 and the two nights and how they're going to be able to present this uh, for WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday, April 4th and April 5th. But the story with the fiend and Bray Wyatt, the fiend Bray Wyatt and John Cena is a great one. And I love what they're doing. And I love that it was WrestleMania 30. They decided to show last night because it plays into what we're going to see at WrestleMania 36. This is how the story started. And for the fiend Bray Wyatt, That revenge against John Cena because of what happened at WrestleMania 30 is much more important than that WWE championship. And here's why. Because starting with that match at WrestleMania 30 against John Cena, you saw the decline of the character Bray Wyatt. That's where it started. And that was the fear. And a lot of people talked about it after WrestleMania 30. Why did John Cena have to win? Is this going to ruin Bray Wyatt? And you saw through the years that was the crack in the foundation in the character Bray Wyatt. And I love the fact that the WWE is going back to that as the foundation for their story for WrestleMania 36. And everyone's going to watch WrestleMania 36 with that fear. Is there any chance John Cena beats The Fiend Bray Wyatt. And also what that match between The Fiend Bray Wyatt and John Cena is going to look like ultimately at WrestleMania 36, because you're not going to get what we saw at WrestleMania 30 with 75,000 fans. It's going to be completely different. And I actually think if there is one match on WrestleMania 36, that it's actually going to be a positive that there's not going to be a crowd is The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and John Cena. They can get really, really creative here with how they film it, what we ultimately see, and how the match ultimately ends, I think is actually going to play out better in the scene that we're going to see at WrestleMania 36 than what we are going to see if there was a crowd in attendance. Let's go back to what we saw at WrestleMania 33 with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Came out really, really hokey. It didn't play well in front of the live crowd. It actually looked much better on TV. But if you were in attendance, it was terrible. So they can get really creative here at WrestleMania 36. Do I think there's some negatives to it? Obviously. The moment with Drew McIntyre, if the, if he beats Brock Lesnar, it's not going to feel the same without a crowd, but one match that there could be a positive and could be advantage is I think with the fiend, Bray Wyatt and John Cena, but going back to WrestleMania 30, it was kind of cool to see it. It was cool interacting on social media and just seeing the tweets from people. And like I said, people watching it for the first time, people who haven't watched wrestling and, Man, what a win for the WWE and what a great job by ESPN and the WWE taking advantage of a terrible situation because the world that we're living in right now, there's a lot of fear and obviously I can understand that there's a lot of anxiety and I'm feeling it. My family's feeling it, but it was cool to get lost for a few hours watching ESPN and ESPN doesn't have any live sports to play. So why not play WrestleMania 30? And I think it was a big success just seeing it and the interactions on social media. And again, it's a win for the WWE because now they're attracting a new audience. Maybe they do bring in new fans, you know, that may tune into WrestleMania 36. Maybe they did get some older fans that haven't watched for a decade or two, to bring them back into the fold and possibly watch WrestleMania 36. It was great to have a positive in our world with all the negative that's going on. I thought what we saw last night was a a very big positive. And, and for me, as you know, the, the co-creator of this show is kind of cool interacting with my, uh, my co-creator and co-host to start this show, Doug Mortman. It was very, very cool interacting with him in a moment that was one of our best moments, and that was WrestleMania 30.
1: Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app.
0: You know what's so surreal in my world right now? First of all, doing the show from home. Because, Bully, as you know, I always do the show from the studio. So it's weird. Like, my commute is from the bedroom to the living room. Like, that's my morning commute now. But also, like, my my daughter is in the other room going to school. Like, you know, school is now on her laptop. It's just, it's, and, and, and I've gotten used to that. Like, it's so weird that. You know, three weeks ago, you and I are doing the show. I'm in New York. You're at the Palatial Hall of Fame Estates. And like now it's like I'm doing it from home and it's almost become like second nature at this point. I mean, it's a that's a good and a bad thing. It's good that people are adapting to what's going on right now, and being safe and understanding. But, man, it is so surreal. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when we can go back to where we were, you know, a few months ago.
2: Well, uh, absolutely. I, I think the entire world is waiting to get back to normal. I think, uh, people in the United States are going to start going uh, a little stir crazy because we want to get out and about. Uh, I keep a very, uh, optimistic, uh, point of view on this whole situation. I think that we are going to come together and I see people coming together more. And more every day. Um, I I I'm hoping that some good comes out of these tests with these new medications. Uh, I read some promising uh tweets from the Surgeon General last night. Uh I know I'm going a little off track here, but I, I I'm hoping we we um you know, we're able to get back to life. You know, as it used to be, because I know it's very important for for you to be out of that house yes. and out of Violetta's hair. And uh, but, hey, we got a good setup here. You know, I'm able to do the show from the from the palatial estate. You're able to do the show from the shoebox. And we got the great <laughs> Daryl Ross uh, yes. producing for us. We got Gab. Who knows who the hell knows where Gabby is? She's gallivanting all over town. Remote hookups from everywhere. So but we're good to go.
0: Yeah, we got Daryl and Robert. Uh, they're they're in the control center right now, and they've been doing a, a phenomenal job making this show sound great. Uh, Gabby
2: is... His new name, by the way, is The Great Daryl Doss. That's it. That's how you have yeah. to refer to him as The Great Daryl Doss. The
0: Dar- 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 How about Daryl the Great and Robert the Wonderful?
2: No? Uh, I don't, don't great, like Robert Wonderful. Robert no, 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 like- no, no. I, I like Daryl the Great. Daryl the Great okay. I can deal with. From now on, you are henceforth, you are now known as Daryl the Great. Daryl the Great and, then there's He's gonna, Gabby and he, You know what? From home. He's gonna be famous overnight. Like everybody on social media is gonna be talking about Daryl the Great. <laughs> He's gonna have his own head pretty
0: soon. I I I listen, we have a great crew. <laughs> Gabby's working her ass off. I know Mother Marissa's been in contact with, you know, making sure everything sounds good. Kelly is actually editing the show today. So we have a really, really a great crew putting this show together. As I mentioned, Evan Husney, the executive producer of dark side of the ring is going to join us at, um, 11 AM Eastern time. I got to get my time straight because, uh, we're taping this a little bit before we're actually airing it. We're doing it the same day. It's not like we're taping it like a day before. We're taping it the sh- same day. But we're doing everything we can to put this show on the air. And what's what's even more surreal is the fact uh, watching ESPN last night, you know, they, they played WrestleMania 30 and – You know, going in, I was like, you know, why would I watch it? You know, if I have the WWE network, I can watch it anytime I want. But I tuned in last night, Paul, and I, I started the show talking about it was pretty cool on social media about how many people like haven't watched wrestling in a long time or never watched wrestling. But because there's no live sports, they tuned into ESPN last night and watched what I think is one of the best WrestleManias of all time. And it was Kind of cool seeing that social interaction with people tuning in because of the fact it was on ESPN last night.
2: I think it's great that WWE got to air uh, WrestleMania 30 last night on ESPN. And we're going to get a couple more WrestleManias airing on ESPN moving forward. Right, Dave? Yes, they are. And and they're already like putting out polls. What WrestleManias do you want to see? And they're going to do
0: that leading up to WrestleMania 36 and mission accomplished. Listen, this is a really rough time. Nobody wants to deal with what what we're going through right now. But I think ESPN and WWE did their best to put a positive spin on what's going on. It's a win for ESPN because they're able to put programming on and have a live feel to it. And then the WWE is showing their product to people that A, may have never watched it before or watched it 15, 20 years ago that are getting the opportunity to fall back in love with it.
2: And I think you got to give a uh, round of applause and a tip of the cap to uh, our good friend, the coach, Jonathan Coachman, because that is the man that worked so hard for so long on bringing ESPN and the WWE together. So great job, coach. On a selfish note, I hope they air WrestleMania 17, which to a lot of people is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Uh, Personally, I hope a, a, a whole new generation of wrestling fans, You may not have ever seen matches like TLC2 or Rock vs. Austin. Get a chance to see those matches. So uh, it's kind of like rock and roll bands, Dave. You know, like a rock and roll band is famous for a long time then they kind of go into obscurity and then one song hits all over again and a brand new uh batch of fans uh gets to listen same thing with wrestling with wrestlemania on espn you know there there are a a lot of uh wrestling fans out there younger fans who might not know about some of these matches some of these rivalries that are now going to be able to see them you know on espn and you know bring new eyes fresh eyes to the product
0: And you mentioned WrestleMania 17 and obviously looking at social media last night, when those questions are asked, most people want to see WrestleMania 17 because you're right. uh, Probably 90% of wrestling fans would say that that's the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And speaking of WrestleMania, we're gearing up towards WrestleMania 36, which is going to be completely different than any WrestleMania that we've ever seen. And at, you know, I have the hashtag out there, You know, ask busted open so people can ask us questions throughout all these days that we're going to be working from home. And one good question from Joe in North Carolina and 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 prayers to Joe North in North Carolina, because he's in quarantine right now. But he asked, Bully, do you think that if this did not take place, if we weren't going through what we're going through right now, do you think that WrestleMania would have been over the course of two nights or would they have stayed on just the the one night? Uh,
2: I—that's I, I, a really hard question to to answer. Uh, I would say no, just because WrestleMania has always been. You know, that one big event like the Super Bowl. If you were to ask me, well, they're going to make the Super Bowl a two day event. We'll play quarter one and two on Saturday and quarter three and four on Sunday. I'd be like, no, I don't think they're going to do that because they've never done that before. But if they were hit with a, a situation like this, well, that was their only out and the only way that they could play the Super Bowl. Well, then for this year, they'd have to make the exception. I think for this year, you know, doing it in the PC in front of absolutely no people still giving us a six or seven hour wrestlemania i think the powers that be realized that that's entirely too long to put on a show in an empty arena and keep people entertained and invested so let's split it up over two days hell nobody's out and about anyway they're going to be parked you know in front of their tv sets let's give them like three hours on saturday three hours on sunday let's maximize our potential let's get as much of our talent on the show as possible and we'll trot in gronkowski because he's a well-known uh name from the world of the NFL and we'll get some of that crossover audience we'll let him uh we'll, you know we'll, we'll let him host WrestleMania, do some stuff with Mojo, do some stuff with uh Corbin and you know I I I I'm hoping and praying for the WWE this all works. I'm I'm not going to be very critical of what I see them doing because I know they're doing their absolute best, much like AEW is, to give us the the best product they possibly can.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that you know we would have had it just the one day because there was no talks or plans for it to go to. They're doing it because of what we're going through right now. I think it's the right decision to make. And like Bully said, you're you're home anyway. So now this gives you two nights to watch it. And, you know, and I like what you said too, bully about not being too critical. This is going to be completely different than anything we've ever seen before. It's going to seem odd. It's going to seem surreal. And I hope people don't criticize it. Understand they're doing the best they can to put out a product. Nobody has been more affected by WrestleMania than the WWE themselves and all the changes that had to be made. And a lot of ways they're scrambling and coming up with ideas on the fly. So I I hope everyone
2: is very, very patient. When it comes to April 4th and April 5th, you know, you bring up the word critical and, uh, The nation has been absolutely awesome on the old Twitter machine. And before I go forward, shout out to every single member of the Busted Open Nation out there who's with us every single uh, morning and who's out there tweeting with us and interacting with us. We appreciate every single one of you. um, And I hope you're all doing well. Speaking of critical, we get that one tweet. Maybe it was last night about somebody who says, oh, you know, I'm canceling my XM serious subscription. Description because the audio doesn't sound very good right now. I mean, that's being a ball buster, critical bottom feeder. I'm like, dude, we're doing the best we can over here. We've really, really turned this difficult situation into something what, you know, we believe is an ultra positive for our fan base. Like, how could you be so critical? Maybe we don't sound as as perfect as when we did in the studio, but we definitely don't sound bad, and we're trying to do this for wrestling fans to keep them uh, entertained and to take their mind off of things for, you know, a couple of hours every single morning, and, and, and seeing people pe- being critical about us on social media, it just reminds me of why I won't be ultra critical towards the WWE and um, you know AEW right now. Hey, if a wrestler does a spot during Raw, SmackDown, or WrestleMania that that I think is is inappropriate, if if somebody does a DDT and kicks out at one, yeah, I'm gonna be critical of that. But I'm not gonna be critical of the overall product because I know everybody's trying their hardest. And when you know they're trying their hardest, that's all you can do. All you can do is really, in my opinion, say thank you. Thanks for doing the best you can and trying to give us what we love the most which is pro wrestling yeah and like and like with this show like obviously I
0: can't scream my welcome because we're taping it early in the morning so that it's there for you at 10 a.m. So, you know, I live in an apartment. So my family's sleeping when I start and I have neighbors. So I can't scream out, welcome, busted open, but I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm actually covering my head with a pillow so I can at least do a little bit of that welcome. But there's going to be changes. There's going to be little tweaks that obviously you're not used to. And Bully, you hit the nail on the head. By the way, that person that tweeted got absolutely roasted by the rest of the busted open the nation. And thank you so much. Um, that's what the WWE is doing. Obviously, they would love for it to be in front of 80,000 people, but that's not possible. Obviously, they would love to have every match there live in the moment, but that's not possible. There's restrictions on how many people you can have in a the building. There's restrictions when it comes to travel. A lot of restrictions. So they're going to do the best they can under these elements.
1: If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy series. Sirius XM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just one dollar. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's siriusxmcom busted. Offer available to new Sirius XM streaming subscribers. Sirius XM, no car required.
0: Executive producer of Dark Side of the Ring, Evan Husney. It's myself, it's Bully Ray. How are you, Evan?
1: Hey, guys. Uh, thanks
3: so much for having me back.
2: No problem, Evan. Welcome back to the show, man.
3: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for the nice words on the show, too. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's hard not to, to share those thoughts about the show because... And we'll dive into everything that was that first part of the debut of Season 2. But, I mean, I mean, amazing job. The production is fantastic. The The... The cast that you've gotten, you know, especially for this debut Mm. episode, you know, having Chris Jericho, having Chavo Guerrero, having Vicky Guerrero, having, you know, David Benoit, you couldn't ask for better people to talk about this subject and topic than the people that you got.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was the uh, goal uh, from the very beginning was if we're going to cover this story, let's try and see if we can talk to. um people who were, you know, the closest to this and people who were part of that inner circle. That was really kind of a perspective that I think, um, you know, people really hadn't seen from this story before because obviously it's been covered so much by the media in the past and sensationalized, and, you know, um, wrest- you know, and, 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 and a ton of wrestling takedown pieces and different angles associated with it. And we really wanted to try and um, hear it from the people who had affected uh, like perhaps the most. And, um, and and that was one of the things we, we, we really wanted to do when trying to put this together. And none of that really would have been possible without Chavo Guerrero Jr. Um, you know, Chavo was somebody that I met really early on, uh, like ho- almost two years ago. And we started talking about this project. And we just really wouldn't have been able to really get most of the people that you see in this episode uh, on board without him. He was an early fan of the show and, you know, believed that the story should be told. And and he really kind of held our hands and made a lot of the introductions to a lot of the people that you see in this episode. Um, so without him, it just, it just, I don't even know how we would have been able to do it.
2: Evan at the end of the day, why did you feel the need to do this episode was it for personal reasons? Do you feel like you wanted to give a different perspective on what happened? Why did you take something that many people consider to be almost taboo to talk about mm. in wrestling and dedicate two episodes and kick off your season with?
3: Man, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, well, uh, one of them was because I felt like you know, because it was taboo, I kind of felt like you know, w- like w- like one of the reasons is that this this was a thing, like like one thing I realized as we were talking to a lot of the subjects that are in the show is that they wanted to talk about it. they 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 wanted to find a platform in order to talk about it. And one of the things that I realized uh, in, in the process is that the people that are still here, like the people that are still here that have had to deal and process with this, are also, victims in this, especially David, Benoit, and Sandra, who's Nancy's sister. And, um, you know, they, they're they the ones that have to reckon with this incomprehensible uh, tragedy. And, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to try and have some catharsis through talking about it, because it's been this thing that people um, haven't been allowed to talk about, or it's something that's just been kind of swept under the rug in a lot of ways. That was one of the reasons um, another reason was, you know, after we did season one, we kind of put the word out to, um, you know, viewers and saying, what, what story would you like us to cover? Like, what, like, what story would you want us to do? And, you know, maybe not as shocking, but it was by far, by far the away the top story people wanted us to see revisit. And I think 13 years later, there, there's so many other areas of things to explore with hindsight that I don't think when it was initially covered by the media or in other books that it really hadn't like dived into. Cause I think as a society, we've, you know, we have a much more understanding of mental health issues, not just physical, you know, with CTE and everything, but also, uh, like, uh, but also um, emotional issues as well, which is one of the themes that we cover in, in this story as well. And so that I think is, you know, something we can have a different perspective on now Um, and as well as grief and those types of things. And, you know, we, we wanted to look into this for it to be something that would help bring closure to, you know, and, you know, not just us being responsible for that, but, you know, through just talking about it and all of us in the show kind of coming together to tell that story, but also, um, you know, try and find, um, you know, also some closure for for fans too, because I think fans, uh have also not really processed this as well, and that was one of the other reasons why we wanted to try and um, address some of the elements of the story head on
0: you know evan you're you're so right about the fans because since you know June of two thousand and seven and and everything that happened that weekend. I I have never watched a Chris Benoit match since then. Like I just, I just couldn't do it, you know? And after watching, you know, the first half of the debut episode yesterday, I went back and I watched the match from WrestleMania 20 with, with Chris and Shawn Michaels and triple H. It's the first time I've watched a, a Chris Benoit match since June of 2007. And, and wow. and there were so many times during that match yesterday that I wanted to turn it off because it's just right. it's really yeah. difficult to go back and watch him. And it's and you're so right. Like that actually watching that first hour, and then I'm I'm really looking forward to watching the second half uh tomorrow, right. but it, it does bring closure. Like because it's it's almost like you know, you've been told you can't give your emotions on this. It's let's forget it. Let's put it in the past. It's, it's, you know, it's like, like bully said, it's taboo. So let's just bury Mm it and, and, and let's move on. And I think that's been the mindset for everyone since that tragedy. And what you were able to do with this is kind of open those doors again. And, and for, like I said, for the first time, I was able to actually sit and watch a Chris Benoit match
3: right i mean i mean yeah it's you know for us like i think you know there are obviously a lot of complicated emotions around the story for sure um you know but but for us it was such a powerful experience you know especially in talking with david benoit and talking with sandra papalani nancy's sister um just just in terms of you know hearing their side of the story you know and, and and going back to what i was saying before about you know them also being victims in this too, and and being the ones that are left here to kind of try and try and process this over the last 13 years. And you know, for us, it's like 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 the show wouldn't be uh, nearly the same, or maybe even something that we would have done without them. You know, I think they lending their perspective to the story, and especially David too. You know, um, you know, being his son, and and ha- and having to kind of you know reckon with that is just something that you know was just extremely it was an extremely powerful experience for us to uh to get their side of the story
2: evan i want to talk about some of the feedback that you've got after episode one first part have you gotten a lot of feedback and second part mm-hmm. uh do you believe that after the first episode that you've painted Chris Benoit as almost a sympathetic figure.
3: Well, the uh, feedback that we've gotten, you know, uh, thus far is, I mean, seem to be you know pretty positive. Um, I think a lot of people liking it, although it being very emotionally difficult. You know, it, it is a very you know sad story, um, especially when you go from you know the passing of Eddie Guerrero into. Uh, you know the demise of Chris Benoit and uh, so I think most of the feedback has been you know positive, but also a lot of people you know being being very emotionally affected by the episode. Um, as far as Chris Benoit is sympathetic, you know it is it is kind of one of the uh, tough things about the episode being released in this way, <laughs> you know, which wasn't necessarily, something that you know was our decision ultimately um but you know because the the intent is to watch the episode as one feature-length experience um which was something that 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 we planned you know from the very beginning was that we will basically wanted to make a feature length documentary film on this story because it can't be contained in one hour of television so what i would say is you know the first part of the way that we kind of approached the first part of the story was basically from the perspective of, um, a lot of the individuals before the tragedy (laughs) in terms of like, you know, what people were seeing, the person they knew, uh, or they thought they knew. And then the other side of the story, you know, once we get to part two is, you know, where things, uh, where details start to come through, the news starts to come through. We look into the, uh crimes and we look into the other side of the story so it is i think important to look at the piece as one you know and i think i think you'll see how it's kind of portrayed at the end of the day and as dark and as as difficult as the story is i do urge you know people to hang in there because you know without even you know i don't want to spoil anything but you know there is light at the end of the tunnel in this story um so i just wanted to throw that out there
2: one of the things that really stood out to me from the very mm-hmm. <clears throat> moment David Benoit was on was the constant smile that he had on his face, which I didn't know what to make of. He seems like uh, he seemed like a happy a guy, a happy kid with this big smile on his face while talking about probably the most difficult thing that he ever has to talk about in his life and having to always have it just right there in the forefront of his mind. What, Mm. what struck you about David the most, um, while sitting and speaking with him?
3: Well, David, um, I got to know, uh, like, I got to know David a little bit before we started filming with him. So, uh, we, you know, we base our whole production in Toronto. And uh, we invited David out to basically hang with us, to spend time with us over the course of a weekend. And we really got to know him. He, you know, wanted to, you know, put a, put a face to the name on, you know, uh, like over phone and email and just really wanted to, you know, make that connection with him because we knew we, you know, he'd have to trust us in order to really tell this story. And, you know, we wanted to lead with our hearts. I mean, we always try and do that. We always try and spend time with, you know, the people that we uh, put on the show. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that just struck me the most was just like trying to put myself in like his shoes, you know, in terms of what, you know, cause he was I think 13 or 14 when this all went down and just like trying to You know wrap my head around what that possibly would have been like and then one of the other things that just really struck me too and and kind of made it urgent for me to to want to tell this story was just seeing like some of the the way that trolls kind of behave on social media towards him you know and then seeing that like you know he's really had to harness um or he's just really had to go through life with you know Being not just a victim in this, but also having to like hear the noise of the rage of other wrestling fans that's like directed towards him and that there's some responsibility that he has. And, you know, he didn't ask for any of this. He's totally innocent in this. And that, you know, you know, this was just like a really, you know, it's just a heavy thing. And I just felt that, you know, if, if he had the opportunity to tell a story, like, you know, you'd see really what his perspective is. And so that to me was always something really important was uh was you know for having him in the show um as far as the smile goes i mean it's, it's something just that i see when we do interviews with people you know talking about really you know heavy things or people who haven't been put in front of a giant two cameras and lights and microphones and if you see our setup it's, it's pretty elaborate um so i would imagine that it's just probably some sort of you know nerves on just on being on television talking about something so intimate but You know, I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: The one thing that I loved about what I've seen so far, and again, you can see the whole two hours tomorrow on Vice at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Dark Side of the Ring. Mm -hmm. Uh, was nancy benoit Um, because she's been kind because of like you know the chris benoit being taboo for a long time you they you know the wwe would not show any of his matches on dvd they would they would edit it out they don't they wouldn't refuse to mention him and it seems like nancy benoit was kind of lost in that as well. And, you know, and she was involved in wrestling for decades. And, you know, I grew up, you know, a big fan. I had the Fallen an Angel poster on my on my wall when I was awesome. when I was a kid watching. <laughs> awesome. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, Nancy Benoit was a, was was a big part of my fandom in my childhood and being able to watch her with Kevin Sullivan. And then, you know, then with 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 Chris and she was kind of just completely washed away and forgotten about. And one of the highlights for me is that, you know, you highlighted her and talked about her because she has kind of been the voice that has been squashed during this entire process. Yeah.
3: Totally. She she just became a victim. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was something also really important to us and, and something that, you know, in, in talking with, you know, Sandra, especially was something always important to us from the beginning. Um, outside of all of this, like outside of you know, uh, the events and and the, and the, and the tragedy itself, you know, Jason Eisner, you know, who does the show with me, uh, you know, we, yeah, we always were fans of uh, like of Nancy, especially that fallen era. I'm sorry, that fallen angel era, you know, the, the, just like the the like heavy metal, you know, Kevin Sullivan, you know, type gimmick was always just some of the coolest aesthetic stuff that you can find if you go back to those, to the to that to that time in the 80s is amazing stuff
0: and evan um, really quick yeah, course, i mean I, I, evan i, I sure. just want to highlight that for a second because you know and maybe mm-hmm. you're in the same boat like you know when i was like you know 13 i was really a, a huge metal fan and like i cut kind of, totally that good, that yeah. that whole image kind of i gravitated towards that and i and i had <laughs> yeah. the posters on my wall that that meant a lot to me at 13 years old
3: uh, for sure and it, it was so just as a as a side note, uh, it was you know when i I didn't know this, but like when 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 Sandra in the episode says that that whole gimmick was inspired by a Heap album, I was like, "Wow, that's so cool, you know <laughs> like Yep. just talking to just talking to Sandra about Nancy too has just been you know ama- you know also amazing, and you know that just like that she was that like she was rocking like metal sand too, you know, and like yeah. a lot of that stuff which is so cool. And she just, you know, she ran with that gimmick. I mean, now a lot of that is her, you know, she's the one who's going out and buying that stuff and adorning that stuff and had the vision for it, you know, and ah, just so cool. So, so, so cool. So it's really important to us to like, obviously highlight that because, you know, she has such a rich history in wrestling. And obviously when she, you know, becomes woman and she goes and she manages like some huge names, you know, in the business. Um, especially when she gets to WCW and, and all that stuff, but, um, and working with doom when she worked with doom, that was so yeah. cool, although, you know, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's just really important for us to touch on her legacy because, you know, it, it is something that has fallen by the wayside and, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, that's another really, uh, yeah, it's a, it's another really difficult, uh, aspect of the story. It's
2: not an easy one, you know, for sure. Evan, one last question from me. Um, sure. Of all the people that you you spoke to, whether it was Jericho, whether it was Vicky, David, Sandra, mm-hmm. who do you believe that this helped the most to get off their chest? Who, who is this the most cathartic for?
3: Well, I, I, I would have to say, I mean, I'd have to say probably David. Um, just from my own point of view and just what I observed, um, you know, because it sort of seemed like, and I'm just I'm this is me totally assuming. Uh, but I, I it just kind kind of felt like when we were interviewing David about it, because obviously, you know, we went deep into it when we when we spoke, that it really was kind of one of the first times that he, it, or it felt like one of the first times he had really told this story to anyone, you know, like this in depth. Um, <clears throat> and so that was hard. And especially again, I don't want to spoil anything for for part two, but you know, you'll see in part two that that kind of comes to a head <clears throat> at a certain point. Um, and uh, you know, so, so, so for us, I think that was one of the more emotionally intense interview experiences I've had, but afterwards he remarked to me, um, and, and has since too, uh, and after seeing the the episode, um, that, you know, how it has helped him, you know, in in terms of getting this off his chest and kind of seeing him differently. And actually, we actually went to one of the AEW shows. I can't remember which one it was.
0: I think it was Double Uh, or Nothing. I I think
3: it was... it was in
0: Chicago, whatever the one in
3: Chicago oh, okay. was, um, like whatever the pay-per-view was there. We went, we went there with David and Sandra, and we went backstage with Jericho, um, and, and there was this nice, you know, kind of meeting there. And Jericho remarked to David essentially that, you know, and this was after we had done the interview, that he remarked that David had kind of seemed like he had, you know, he had uh, you know, sort of something different about him you know, in terms of ever having to kind of just go through this experience, you know, and and telling the story and getting it off his chest and being cathartic. And yeah, I I can say that I think that that's what it's, you know, I mean, you guys should talk to him at some point, but I think that's kind of what I saw that online, which would be cool. And I feel like that's been something that's been helpful for him. So that, you know, so I, I probably have to say that out of everyone there. But then again, a lot of the people that we've talked to, you know this was a very emotional experience for everyone to get through Um, but you know i think i just i just hope that it has been and i'm pretty sure it has been something at least positive at the end of the day to talk about it
0: well i'll I'll say this like you know being and i know you want everyone to watch it and i hope everyone does tomorrow night 9 p.m eastern on vice uh dark side of the ring to watch the two hours in completions. I know that on YouTube you have the first hour, but like you said earlier, Evan, that, you know, this was meant to be watched from beginning to end for those full two hours. So uh, I hope everybody watches it because there is, you know, this tragedy and, you know, bully mentioned about, you know, making Chris sympathetic. I'm sure when people watch that second half, it's going to be, it's going to be a kick to the gut, you know, knowing what's, About to happen after, you know, you know, uh, you know, and and just the way you've presented this, Evan, is I I said it on social media. It's amazing television. You guys did a fantastic job with something that a lot of people want to forget about and they shouldn't because, you know, this needs this story needs to be told because it's not just about. You know, it's not just about Chris Benoit, it's about his family and and their legacy and the memories that need to be shared for those people. And you did an absolutely tremendous job and I'm looking forward to watching it Tuesday night. On Vice, 9 p.m. Eastern time, but also each and every week, the other stories that you're going to be telling as well uh, this season. Uh, if this is if this is any indication of what season two of Dark Side of the Ring is going to be, I think this is going to be one of the better series in television. Evan,
3: <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's, it's been a wild uh, year in terms of production. Man. We <clears throat> we've been working we basically got the the green light for season two, I think in in, in July or yeah, I think it was in late July. So since late July, we've made 10 hours of the show. So it's really been like a blur, you know, in terms of making 10 hours of the show. And, and, and and I think we've shot over 450 hours of footage and done 87 interviews. So (laughs) it's been a crazy year. Um, but so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of really fascinating stories. We've met a lot of really interesting folks, um, and, you know, tackling some big stories and tackling some stories you may not know uh, a whole lot about. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm just, you know, we're just really excited that it's finally getting out there. One other thing I'll say is that we're, we're not entirely done with it either. We're not done working on it. So we're, we're kind of in a similar setup to you guys working from home and working remotely to try and you know deliver the final couple episodes to this you know for the season and and that's a first for us too last year it was all done and we could sit back and watch it on tv and now we're actually having to deliver this to air as it's airing wow you know what's going on in the world so you know fingers crossed everything goes without a hitch yeah
0: Well, Evan, thank you so much for the time. And again, everybody watch Vice Tuesday nights, 9 9 p.m. Eastern time, the debut episode, the Chris Benoit tragedy. And then each and every episode after that, I know Bully and I are going to be talking about it, you know, here on Busted Open. So and, you know, we're big supporters of the show. And and thank you for everything you do, Evan. We really appreciate it, man.
3: Oh, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you.
0: Great job, Evan. Take care, man. Evan Husney, executive producer of Dark Side of the Ring. Again, as you can watch every single Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Vice. Like what you're hearing?
1: Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on
0: Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Man, we're inching closer and closer, Bully, to WrestleMania 36. A lot different about WrestleMania 36. No live audience, no live crowd. And, of course, for the first time ever over the course of two nights. And let's go back to SmackDown from Friday for just a few minutes before we say goodbye. Let's go to the beginning, and that's Rob Gronkowski. I'm I'm excited about Rob Gronkowski. He has a love and a passion. Whether he ultimately is going to be good, we really don't know. But one thing we do know, he was a world champion in another sport. He has a lot of love and passion. He, this is something he definitely wants to do. So, you know, he, he showed a lot of excitement on SmackDown Friday night for sure. So, so, Bully, what are your thoughts about Rob Gronkowski? And what were your thoughts about what he did on Friday?
2: Well, listen, um, the WWE and WrestleMania has been, uh, have been bringing in outside superstars since the very first WrestleMania so it's no uh, shock to me that they're doing it again this WrestleMania. I mean, the way he came to the ring on SmackDown, was that a little hokey and wonky? Sure, but whatever. Yeah. He was having a good time. And, you know, right now, whatever works for a fan base. I'm sure some people liked it. I'm sure some people didn't like it. Uh, I saw the in-ring with Mojo. And um, is, is there going to be a match but with, with Elias involved, what, 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 what's the official, uh, uh, official match we got here? Well, I mean, Rob Gronkowski
0: is going to be the host. Uh, far beyond that, I don't know. But as of right now, Gronkowski is just a host for both nights of WrestleMania. Now, could it develop into something? I'm sure it's going to v- develop into a story because Bully, and again, I gave you credit. As soon as I saw it on Friday night, I was like, ah, you know, they must be listening because, you know, Bully said a great first story for Rob Gronkowski would be Baron Corbin. And then we saw the interaction with Baron Corbin. Where that's going to lead to, who knows? Uh But... To see them kind of start with that, you know, ultimately at some point there's going to be a match between those two somewhere down the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, I talked about the the Corbin that Corbin would be the perfect person for Gronkowski, and and something that transpired between the two. I heard a couple. There were a couple of people on social media who brought Elias up to me, and I and I wasn't quite sure why or what his involvement would have been. Well, he um, showed up in that segment, so you yes, know yes, so but I'm, I'm not sure. If- so. I mean, do they go with do they go with Gronk and uh, Mojo versus Baron Corbin and Elias? This way we're able to hide Gronkowski and, you know, give him a couple spots here and there. I mean, whatever they do, I'm totally cool with because I'm encouraging wrestling fans to just try to appreciate what wrestling companies are giving us these days. You know, try not to be. Too difficult on uh, them, or too critical of them, or too harsh on them in social media, and I also want to say one thing, Dave, to the to the to the to the websites out there, the 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 pro wrestling journalists, the pro wrestling uh, reporters, writers, whatever you want to call yourself. If there was ever a time not to publish spoilers, it's now. Oh my gosh! Yes. Things have been quote unquote ruined enough for the pro wrestling business because of this whole coronavirus. Things have been ruined for the world enough. Let people be surprised. Let people be entertained. There's no reason to put up a spoiler right now. You're just, you're, you're hurting wrestling fans, in my opinion, worse than you ever possibly could have. And listen, the WWE is going to be doing a lot of things
0: leading up to WrestleMania 36 that you're going to see April 4th and April 5th at WrestleMania 36. Hello. I mean, that's the world we live in right now. We're, we're, we're pre-recording this a couple hours before we actually go live because we can't do it live because of the situation that we're in. We're working from home and and Gabby and, and Kelly and, and Daryl and Robert, they're all going to, you know, scat like go crazy once we sign off to edit it and piece it together and put it out there for the nation to listen to at nine a, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. WWE is doing the same thing. A lot of this stuff is going to be pre recorded and pre arranged. They have to do that because the safety concerns for their employees. You know, they're damned if they do it. They're damned if they don't. If they did it live, everybody would be killing the WWE. How can you have that many people in a venue? What about safety concerns? And now that they're actually concerned about the safety of their employees, how can they not be live? How can they be pre taped and stuff? Come on, man. I mean, at least like you said, Bully, be patient. And Jericho went off on a fan and, and Cody had to respond as well about blood and guts. They're postponing blood and guts for AEW because of everything that's going on right now. How could you – what about the – well, you're telling a story, and now there's not going to be an outcome to the story? You'll get the end of your story. It's just going to be – you're going to have to wait a little while. Look at the world we're living in right now, not, not in, in one state or one country. The entire world is dealing with something, and you're concerned about a storyline on a pro wrestling show.
2: Come on. Smartest thing AEW did in this past week was postpone blood and guts. They're still going to give you their weekly TV show, but that match was going to be unique and a big deal for them. And if you can't do a match like that in front of people and you know, that being uh, Matt Hardy's first match, why not postpone it? It'll all be good. We, we're, we're, we're all, we all have a gun to our head and we all have to press pause uh, in our lives entertainment every aspect every step we take every breath we, we we inhale right now we have to be very careful about because of what's going on why take things like uh, a blood and guts event and just throw it out there when it's not going to be able to be appreciated the way it should be appreciated Um, And listen, you could say the same thing for WrestleMania. Why not postpone it? Because postponing WrestleMania, I'm sure, is a lot more. uh, There's a lot more red tape in postponing WrestleMania than one War Games-esque match. Yes. You know what I mean? Blood and Guts was one match. A War Games. Five on five. We can take that match and hold off until we're back in front of people.